Ladies and gentlemen, the following episode of True Stories Based on Fiction will contain coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. This week on True Stories Based on Fiction, the guys talk to Arvel Jones. They're going to cover his misadventures with production manager at Marvel, his artistic fusion with legendary Keith Pollard, his early career in comics as Rich Buckler's assistant, lodging in New York City in the 1970s, how he got his first comics gig, his work with Misty Knight co-creator Tony Isabella, the creation of Misty Knight, his popular comics workshop, the differences between DC and Marvel office cultures, and much, much more. This is our second interview of our summer session. Please enjoy. Back to you, Evan. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have built this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've done today. Thank you, Randy. Ah, that was my um, news reporter announcer voice. Um, but yeah, as R- Randy was saying, this week we sit down with uh, the, the legendary Arville Jones. He is a uh, comic book artist, commercial artist, and just all-around great guy from uh, the Michigan area. Well, Michigan area. He's from uh, Detroit, so he's a hometown boy. Uh, and we had the pleasure, well, by we I mean Brian and I, had the pre- pleasure of talking to Arville a few weeks ago. We talked about his career at Milestone Media. Um his work at Marvel and DC with uh, the All-Star Squadron, um, Iron Man, being the co-creator of um, Misty Knight, who can be seen in Luke Cage Season 1 and 2, and also on the Defenders on Netflix. Probably one of the best characters on that show. Probably one of the best characters around. Uh, I first discovered Misty Knight, honestly, uh, on the Immortal Iron Fist book, uh, where she was you know, dating Danny Rand. So yeah, so Brandon and I talked to Arville a few weeks ago about all these things, his luminary career, his work in um, in, in television news, milestone work, like I said a moment ago. But unfortunately, uh, that audio didn't come out the way that we wanted to. I've heard Skype horror stories all the time about. Uh, Skype not working correctly. Skype just cutting in and out. That's why they have like at the end of the call to ask you how, how the song, how the uh, sorry, how the conversation quality was. And that one didn't come out the way that I wanted. Um, I went through trying to edit it and see if I could salvage any of it, and I was hoping that I could, but unfortunately, it would have been a not the best listening experience for you in the audience, and I didn't want to have a, our conversation with Arville uh, just stacked with audio issues, so luckily, he agreed to come back on the show, and unfortunately, Brian wasn't able to join us again, but we actually had an even better conversation that, that we talked about a myriad of amazing things that he told us all, these, he told me all these cool stories that I'm going to showcase you guys now, um, and I just want to apologize to Arvell again publicly for the first interview not going well, um, that one did cover a lot of his background, a lot of stories about the comic book industry, but I think that 
this time around, we have some even better stories. And then um, it's actually turned out very, very good. And no audio problems until the end, but which we'll talk about that in, in a second. But yeah, so thank you again to Arvell. Um, if you're ever at, at a convention in Michigan, which he's at a lot of those, make sure to go say hi to him because he's one of the legends of comics. He's an all-around great guy. So, um... I guess after, with all that being said, um, enjoy the following episode. Thank you. My early experience at, at Marvel being Rich Buckler's assistant, I got to uh, uh, meet a bunch of legends, both at Marvel and DC, uh, in their offices. And, uh, uh, you know, as a, a, a young artist trying to break into the business and not knowing the ropes or who, you know, everybody was in terms of personalities, but having read about them. You know, you make certain assumptions, which some of them were true, but most of them, I think Stan Lee, in some cases, uh, uh, exaggerated or <laughs> <laughs> about certain things. But one of the coolest uh, stories I got is my relationship or lack of relationship or, you know... Uh, weird relationship with uh, the production manager, John Vaporton. Okay. And John was, you know, to be accurate, I can't tell you how tall he really was. I just know he was much taller than me. Taller than <laughs> Jim Shooter? Huh? Is he taller than Jim Shooter? Uh, in the Jim Shooter height. <laughs> you know, if not taller than Jim. Wow. And, and maybe about twice as wide. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he treated me sort of like an annoyance. I was like the the little fanboy that uh, uh, would come to the office like, you know, like the yipping little dog or whatever, (laughs) you know. Uh, Hey, John, how can I help? Is there anything I can do? You know, what can (laughs) (laughs) Love to work in the bullpen. Is there a way I can work in the bullpen? Can I work in the bullpen, John? You know, was, get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. His voice was 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 very much like this for the wow. most part. <laughs> so uh, one day, um, you know, my early experience uh, when I was working with with Rich was I as his assistant. I guess Rich didn't really want to deal with Jim too much himself, especially when he was behind on his pages. So he would send me in to turn the pages in. Okay. And most of the time, Jim would, uh, I mean, uh, uh, John would uh, would look at the uh, the pages, look at what's on the top 
page and then either stick them in his drawer or tell me to stick them in the, the drawer, which is like the second or you know, the first or the second drawer in his desk mm-hmm. as he continued to work. And, and then if I tried to start a conversation, he would just say, shut up and get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so behind him, he had all of the upcoming covers that Marvel was publishing that were ready to go. Okay. You know, either as, you know, you know, print uh, uh, proof copies or, or uh, you know, color proofs or something, you know, can't quite remember now, but they were all hanging up. And you could, at a glance, you could see everything that was about to be published uh, in the next month. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's fascinating to look at these covers coming up because nobody had ever seen them. And, uh, you know... Uh, Nobody had ever seen them. Right. <laughs> Sneak peeks. Yeah, you know, and so uh, they very much were were so. And I made the mistake the first time coming in there is looking up, going, "Wow, look at these covers! This is when is this coming out?" <laughs> and yeah, and it would either be that month or you know, into, a little bit into the next month. And he he gave me that, you know. He said, you know, they're coming out next month. You know, as soon as I can get the rest of the book in and everything, everything's improved. And I said, okay. So that's it. Wow, what's this story about? And what's right. that story about? And, you know, he looked at with me with a lot of annoyance <laughs> and then, you know, simply said, shut up and get out of my office. <laughs> but I said, that's what our relationship is going to be like. Okay. <laughs> I would come in and deliver pages, and most of the time, uh, you know, he wouldn't even look at them. He just, you know, the other thing you had to do was go to go to uh, uh, John reporting for your check. Oh. So you walk in there, and Marvel was paying. I don't know if they were paying every week at that point, but later on, Marvel was paying like twice a uh, twice a week. Really? And, and yeah, you could turn your pages in and your voucher in on a Friday. And get a check the following Friday, or you could turn it in on Wednesday and get a check the following Wednesday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and you always had to go to reporting, and he would go and pull the checks, you know, unless you were standing in the office, and in which case somebody like uh, Mary Mack or somebody mm-hmm. would uh, would walk around with some checks and and hand them to you if you were in at the, at the time she was passing them out. Uh, and then the uh, the bank was like right downstairs. So if you were a fan and you knew what check day was, you could meet almost everybody that was oh, wow. freelancing in New York. You know, if they if they were trying to hit a deadline, <laughs> we try to drop the pages off, pick up the check, and then do whatever they're going to do in town before they before they split. So you could just hang outside. You know, well you and you you have to go into the bank. Uh, because it were like, you know, there was a door to the street that you could come in. Or uh, since we were in the same building as the bank, people could go into the bank from within the, uh, within the building. Wow. So, <laughs> so it's best to stake out in the building. Of course, doing that would probably make the guards nervous. But <laughs> yeah, I, I would imagine so. Oh, what are you doing here, kid? is ordering. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, so I, I would take pages then, and I did that for like two summers in a row as I worked for Rich. Mm. Um, the first summer, uh, I think he was working on Deathlock and 
uh, and Black Panther. And uh, uh, the second year, definitely, you know, uh, you know, he he was working on the Fantastic Four. Right. Uh, and uh, so the first time I just take pages in, try to hang out, look at things. Rich usually would leave for Puerto Rico. His wife was Puerto Rican at the time. Mm. He'd leave for Puerto Rico near the end of the summer to take her for a vacation for a week. And usually that was my time to, uh, uh, you know, to head back to Detroit where I was uh, still attending uh, Wayne State University. Okay, Wayne State, cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, trying to get a bachelor's degree and uh, at that point, I was trying to get a bachelor's degree in, uh, in, in fine arts. Okay. And I was in, uh, I was taking commercial art and, and illustration. Um, so, you know, I, I would do that during the, uh, you know, during the, uh, the year. And then on the, uh, and in the summer, I would spend my summers in New York, uh, being Rich's assistant. So we, uh, you know, at the end of the summer, I would, you know, Rich would be pressed to get the work done because he, you know, the trip was all planned. Plane tickets had been bought. You know, he's just trying to get out of town. And uh, we would end up doing whatever we could to get the project done. Sometimes, you know, it would be a jam session between myself. <laughs> uh, you know, he would almost get anybody he could get to help. <laughs> to get the work done. You know? Assembly and, line. Uh, and other times... It would be just me and him, and I would end up uh, uh, finishing pages or doing a lot more work than, than you know, maybe uh, you know, I, maybe I should have been credited for in some cases. And, you know, right. an issue of the Black Panther, I must have done at least the last three or four pages. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, uh, and turn those in, and John usually just accepted them. You know, a couple <laughs> of times. Rich had some pages just roughed up. He needed to get the check, and then he would go back in and you know, and you know maybe he'll give them to me to turn them in. Mm-hmm. And I say I look at the pages. I said, but Rich, you know, there's no backgrounds on these pages. <laughs> just some figures and everything. Ah, John's not gonna pay any attention. Just just put them in the put them in the drawer, you know. Wow. And uh, uh, fortunately, I didn't get caught with that. Rich did, but I didn't get caught. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> yeah, uh, putting them in. I mean, he would he would put them in so he could get the check, and then he would come back and get the pages, and wow. work in the office and <laughs> and turn them in. Try to turn them in before he left, you know, or you know, or he would have some other pages that weren't quite done. He turned in some pages that that weren't quite done. He'd get the pages that were, you know, he'd send me into the office to turn pages in. Uh, and then he would show up a little later uh, and switch pages. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. He had a whole little system worked out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was you know, uh, money was tight. You know, Rich yeah. had a uh, you know had a young baby, and you know his you know he was under pressure to get the work done. But he was such a fan of of the work that he was doing. If there was something he didn't like, he'd throw the page out. Wow. You know, you know, so, you know, sometimes he would kind of half draw a page or fully draw the page and then go, eh, this isn't working, you know, and start redoing the page and then look up and the deadline was on top of him. So he's like, OK, just go on, turn this page in. And I go, but Rich, you know, you, you, 
You you weren't exactly happy. I thought you were gonna redo it. He's I am redoing it. (laughs) (laughs) So he would be redoing the page and I I would turn in the rejected page, his rejected page. John wouldn't know the difference. He'd he'd just count how many pages (laughs) to the route and put them in, you know. Uh put him in his his drawer. So, you know, I mean, this went on like all summer for two summers. And then I think the last time I had to turn pages in, it was like I did three or four of the pages myself. Mm-hmm. And I was turning them in, and John looked at the pages and went, you know, Rich, you. And he said, Rich didn't do these pages, did he? And I go, ah, <laughs> trying not to lie. He said, tell the truth. <laughs> you know, tell the truth. You know, like more like that. I said, no, he didn't do him. I did him. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I, um, so I just turned around and, uh, uh, you know, confessed and he, you know, reached in the drawer and handed me a script and said, <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's how I started my professional career. Whoa, but, uh, but those, <laughs> those were great days, you know, at, at uh, coming to the office, uh, the turn pages in, Frank Giacoya. And uh, uh, Mike Esposito would sit right next to one another mm. all day long, and they'd ink on each other's work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Frank sometimes would just do all the outlines. He'd outline all the figures, the buildings, do all the outlines, and then hand it to uh, Mike Esposito to go through and feather and you know, uh, add blacks and stuff like that, spot blacks, as they call it, mm-hmm. you know, for some of the pages. And then he passed it back to Frank, and Frank would feather everything, you know, and give it that style if it was Frank's work. If it was Mike's work, it would be just the opposite. Wow. And, uh, and they'd sit around and joke all day long and talk about everybody else, all the other staff members, <laughs> and laugh and joke, you know, most of the time. And they sit there and just... You know, they could conduct all kind of practical jokes and talk to each other and talk about each other and argue and, and all that stuff. Uh, and and hand never stopped moving. They were always working. <laughs> In fact, I, I never caught them heading to the bathroom even. I, I'm sure they did, but I just never saw it. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, they were amazing. And... Uh, and they seemed so casual about it, you know. I mean, it was almost like, you know, you're seeing, you know, your two uncles sitting on a, a porch or whatever, you know, uh, swilling down some beer and listening to the ball game and and talking about that, you know, on the radio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how casual they were. And uh, Marie Severin, uh, she was such a sweetheart most of the time. She, when I first got there, she was kind of a nurturer, you know. Yeah. You, you get in there, and then she kind of, you know, settled you down and and asked to see what you were doing and and encourage you and maybe point out a few things that you needed to work on or fix up. And you know, she was sort of like the mother hen kind of thing. Yeah, I've never uh, heard a bad word about her. I've never heard yeah. a bad word about her. Oh man, she was always. Uh, I've never seen her angry. You know, I seen her frustrated a couple of times over mm-hmm. some things, but but really, it didn't show in her face so much as the fact that she would uh, would point it out a couple more times the next time. <laughs> no, I asked you to uh, to do whatever, 
And remember, when I asked you to do whatever, <laughs> you were supposed to do whatever, but you didn't. <laughs> so can you try it again? She was really nuts. <laughs> yeah. And and that happened maybe a couple of times and only in passing. You know, uh, there were, uh, you know, other bullpenners, uh, you know, Joe Duffy and uh-huh. uh, Irene Bartonoff and her sister, uh, Ellen, you know, who I'd see, you know, uh, through the day, walking back and forth. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what they did. But they were busy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all the time. They were, seemed like all, I'd see them just walking back and forth and whatever. And the writers, you know, I would come in the office and, and see uh, writers talking to the artists. Don McGregor was one of my favorites because Don would get in the pose. He would, would be talking to Rich and he'd get into these poses yeah. Wow. And say, okay, Rich, what do you think about this? Or he'd do diagrams on what he thought the cup, you know, uh, the splash page would look like, and wow. Rich would 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 uh, take those and make it look better. And then Don was, oh, that's such a great idea. I just love what you're doing there, man. This is just brilliant, man. Well, can we do a little this and that? He said, yeah. And they'd go back and forth over it until they'd work the page. They get into such a frenzy talking about something. Yeah. And, you know, the excitement just pooled all over the page once, once they got down. They, you know, Don was very much a big collaborator. Yeah, and, um, I saw him on some of the Black Panther uh, special <laughs> features, and, like, he's still vibrant, and he's he's, he's exactly it, as you uh, described him, because he, he was on a documentary with him, Tanashi <laughs> Coates, uh, Christopher Priest, and Ryan Coogler, right. and he was energetic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's always been that, you know, like I said, you know. I walked in the room one time and Don was laying on the ground like he was dead. <laughs> and Rich was standing over him and I said, you finally did it, huh? <laughs> Killed it. <laughs> and Don popped his head up and said, you know, no, no, we're just working out a scene, you know. I'm glad you're here. Lay on the floor, you know, so that I can kill you so that Rich can draw it. Wait a minute. <laughs> hey, you actually saw just, like, like a like a knucklehead. I probably did it. Right. I can't. <laughs> okay, I, I need to lay here, and then you're gonna kill me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is crazy. Um. Yeah. So to that, I have two follow up questions for you. The first one pertains to how you said that you can get paid weekly or biweekly. Was that paid per page or just? a certain per- percentage of the job. How did that work? Uh, for counselors, for artists, it was by the page. Okay. But you have to turn in to begin with at least five pages before they'd write, write you a check. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, the idea being that you're going to work real hard to get the first five pages in, then you, when you get ready to turn the next five in, uh, you know, you'd have to at least do that, you know, figured you know most jobs had to be done within three weeks mm-hmm. really with marvel they wanted them as you know as john reporting would also say i need it yesterday <laughs> you just handed me the assignment no way i can go back in time <laughs> you really when do you really need it i needed it two weeks ago <laughs> i gotta read the plot first <laughs> <laughs> Then jump in my time machine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and then the uh, second question is, so um, you, 
so you were saying that you assisted Rick originally. So I guess my question for that is, um, I think you kind of answered it. You said essentially he would do layouts and you would come in and like you were either spot blacks, put in backgrounds, that type of thing. Um, and so when did it get to the point to where you have to be credited and paid? Oh, um, when I was working as his assistant, it just really depended on how much work I actually did. Okay. There were pages like we worked on Deathlock, and there were pages in which maybe Rich would do a thumbnail. So this is where <laughs> I'm going with this story. Uh, here's the thumbnail of, uh, of what I'm thinking. He said, and then you go, hey, Rich, you know, like this? And he said, I don't care. Just get the page done. Yeah. <laughs> and then he would look at the pages, and sometimes he'd go back over them, you know, and make them look a little bit more like him, or, or, or if the figure looked a little soft or, or weak or uh, – you know, not exciting enough, he, he might, you know, go back over your drawings and make that happen, you know, make it look a little better. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes he would erase it and re, re- rework it. You know, well, you got everything else in, but this figure is lousy. <laughs> you know, erase it and then <laughs> put it back in. There was no time for, for uh, niceties and picking around the bush. It was like, this figure sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then other times, oh, man, you did, oh, man, this is great. I would I can't think I would have done it better, you know. So we'd have those meetings and everything. Mm. And he was always very encouraging and, you know, uh, inspiring to talk to, you know, because he'd get you worked up into a frenzy sometimes <laughs> just to sit there. And he said, you got to put almost like Bruce Lee, emotional content. <laughs> Before I ever heard Bruce say that, you know, right, he was right. going, man, you got to, these guys can't just be standing around, you know, you you gotta narrow those hands up. You gotta, you know, put some sneers on their faces. If they're talking to me, say, "Well, I don't know exactly what they're saying, Rich, because this is a plot." <laughs> you know? And you're just saying, you know, okay, they have an argument, and then one of them walks out the door, and the other one turns and thinks, you know, thinks about what just happened. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be a page, maybe, and do that in a page. So you go, okay, so yeah, you know, I might just. You know, in the beginning, it was like, you know, turn, you know, have two people talking like normally, maybe one's eyebrows being a little further down than the other. He says, oh, man, you got to move the camera around. You got to you gotta, uh, uh, get right up in his face when they're arguing. You know, put your camera as, it, as in you're in the other guy's point of view. Put it right up to his face, you know, and sometimes up to one eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what did you just say to me? (laughs) I said, oh, okay, it's that kind of argument. Yeah, yeah, they they like always, you know, you ever notice comic book uh, characters, they always about the, when they're arguing, you know, it's always looks like they're going to go to blows. Now, how the writer writes it might be different, you know. You know, the writer might say, look, those are petunias flowers. He said, I I know. (laughs) Well, put them down. Okay, I will. (laughs) <laughs> End the argument, you know. Right, right, but they right. would look like those are petunia flowers. What are you doing with them? I'm gonna rip your your rip your intestines out and feed them. <laughs> <laughs> you never know because you were working from a plot. So. Right, right, right. <laughs> and the writer would 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 kind of write it according to how you would draw it, you know. So if you drew it like they were about to take each other's heads off, the writer had to write it that way. But sometimes he didn't have the writer didn't have a whole lot, you know, didn't have a lot planned after right. the argument. It was just 
a, a filler page or Next something. Thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, to that point, do you prefer the uh, the Marvel style or more of the DC style, which is the full script? Um, I have more fun with the Marvel style mm-hmm. uh, back then. Uh, getting a plot, you know, because that would always be fun. It would be more uh, collaborative. Sure. You know, even when I was working with with Tony on Iron Fist, you know, and mm-hmm. we we would sit there and you know and talk about things, and then when we get to the, the fight scene, Tony would just say, "Just have a fight for four or five pages, <laughs> <laughs> and have uh, Iron Fist win or something," you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then he go back to now. We'll go back to the story. So you know that 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 was fun to do because mm-hmm. uh, I got the you know. You know, uh, you know, set up the fights and and you know, and uh, make them look interesting as best as I could. Right back then, and uh, uh, however, uh, uh, a script was a little easier to work with because it would narrow your possibilities on right. what you had to what you had to picture. So you could kind of br- it took less brain power when you got a script, you know. The <laughs> most most you had to decide is the camera angles and and how big the panels needed to be, depending upon how detailed the script was. You know, mm-hmm. you could get a script from a writer who would tell you first panel is a long tall, I mean a long wide panel that stretches uh, from um, you know the width of the page, and then other writers wouldn't describe the actual physical boundary. Uh, you know, they would just say, you know, opens up on a an establishing shot of New York City, and then you had to figure out now, is that like you know, a eighth of a page, a third of a page, a quarter of a page? You know, right, <laughs> you right. have to make those decisions yourself based on what else needed to be on the page. And you know, you have some writers that would, uh, you know, they would write things and go. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I always use Jerry Conway and Aquaman because that is the easiest one for me to think about. But, you know, uh, Jerry once wrote a page that says Aquaman standing at the base of the Statue of Liberty and he's looking as a typhoon. No, it was a, a Sami was coming to New York City and he was telepathically telling uh, giant squids and whales and uh, an octopus to build to build that wall, no, to uh, build <laughs> to build a dam or something to pro- uh, protect New York City from being splashed by you know a hundred foot uh, waves or whatever. And while he's while he's doing it, he's concentrating really hard. It's raining. It's you know, <laughs> you got New York City in the background and and all that stuff. And then he'd say, panel one. That was panel one. Wow. <laughs> Five panels on the page. Wait a minute. <laughs> How do I get all that in one panel, you know? so And that's not a splash uh, page either. Wow. <laughs> and it's not a splash page. And, you know, and yet you got to make it look dramatic at the same time. So, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I mean, that was just an example. Most of the time, uh, you know, I mean, that wouldn't happen all the time. But that was when we got a little carried away. So I had to go to the editor the first time and say, how do I handle this? How do I interpret this? There's too much on this page and everything. And the editor would just look at you and go, 
look, you figure it out. That's your job. What you, do? <laughs> you know, if you can't get it all on the same page, then move some of it to the next page and figure out how, how to make up the difference later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that, that could be very dangerous because, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What if I ran out of pages? Well, that's what happen. <laughs> <laughs> you better have everything in that script when you turn it in, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I guess next I'll ask you this. So obviously you started out with Marvel, and this kind of uh, bridges off off your last answer. Uh, how, how did the DC work come about? And added to that what kind of adjustment did you have to make from going to Marvel style to, to full script um you know I think before I got into the business I had practiced both ways oh cool so it, it wasn't a major change for me I think the uh uh the difference was in the culture of the, of the two companies at the time Marvel was full of you know a blue jean and t-shirt wearing hippies with long hair and DC when I went to DC everybody was wearing ties and, <laughs> and, and, and slacks <laughs> and their sleeves their white shirts you know would have rolled up sleeves as they were working you know but when they get up some of them would put suit jackets on <laughs> <laughs> and where Marvel was a lot of hey give me that you know give me you know I need to do what are you doing over there? You know, a lot of that. In D.C., it was like this. Very quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a memo. Yeah. <laughs> you a question. <laughs> right. So when I first went over there, I was like shocked that, you know, I met with Paul Levis. He was a, a guy that actually saw me and brought me in and looked at my pages. And I think he was like, you know, head of production at the time, but he was also an editor. Um, on one of the books and you know when sat in the uh, the waiting room with, with the statue of Superman reading the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I was called in and I went to Paul's office and you know immediately I'm dressed in you know blue jeans and I'm not even sure if my shirt was even buttoned all the way up you know? <laughs> right 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 I come in and Paul's sitting at his desk with a white shirt on and a tie. <laughs> and he, he knows how I'm dressed. You know, I feel a little awkward, but he yeah, he ignores how I dressed and we get right down to, to look, uh, looking at the work. And, you know, he was he was encouraging and everything. And then uh, he took me around to meet Joe Orlando, who was mm -hmm. wearing another tie and sitting at his desk. Joe escorted me around to his desk and looked at my work and made some suggestions on how I could improve the work and everything. And then uh, then I went back to Paul, and Paul handed me a script. <laughs> and it was very calm. It's very calm. <laughs> and what was that script? Uh, it was a Legion of Superhero okay. script that uh, the only job me and Bob Layton did together. Oh, I think wow. it was Bob's first job at the uh, first job, first pro job. And my first pro job at DC Comics. Wow. And uh, so, you know, it was a little 10-pager. It was sort of a tryout, you know. Right. Let's see how he handles this. And, you know, I turned it in on time and, you know, penciled, it, penciled the death out of it and got it, uh, uh, got it in. And, and then uh, Bob picked it up and 
saw me and came over and said, hey, man, I'm going to ink your stuff, man. This is going to be great. I, said, I can't wait to see it, man. You know, we were joking around and everything, and then he left. And I still had that Detroit mentality where I had, you know, uh, you know what Starlin and Milgram and Buckler and Keith Pollard and, well, you know, we would all sit around and crit- critique each other's work when it was mm-hmm. done, right. you know. And it was it was kind of brutal, you know. <laughs> we would brutally critique one another to not only toughen our, our skins about it, but also to, you know, make sure we were better. So, you know, as uh, when Bob brought the brought the uh, uh, the pages back, Bob came up to me all bouncy and happy and said, man, what do you think, man, what do you think? And I looked at it and I said, Bob, this looks this looks good. I mean, you look like Wally Wood, man. He said, but you kind of quieted my work down. It feels a little more quiet than what I expected. <laughs> and, he, you know, his face dropped and he kind of walked away. I said, but I like it, man. I like it, you know. And uh, I didn't hear anything else about it. Then it came out in color. And uh, I looked at the pages and, you know, the color just revitalized them, to, you know, a little bit more to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so when I saw Bob, you know, I came to congratulate him on his job and I thought it came out great. And Bob was like, he didn't want to hear it at that point. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. You know, <laughs> I can't stand you. Don't talk to me again. <laughs> uh, man, See, I didn't mean to do that, you know. Uh, I had to learn my lesson a couple of times because I opened my big fat trap. And, <laughs> you know, a couple of people, you know, were like, you know, man, you're, you, you're not responding properly. <laughs> right, right. I said, well, you know, I'm just being honest with what I thought, you know, but, you know, I a little less of that had to get a little, you know, get a little bit more delicate when mm-hmm. I had those conversations. <laughs> but uh, I've got to say, though, that's actually a pretty good Bob Layton because I've heard him <laughs> in various interviews and he's that bombastic as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Bob was very energetic and yes. you know, excited. You know, I, I kind of brought him down a little bit. And, you know, <laughs> it took a little while before, I mean, we would see each other and he'd just kind of nod at me for a while. You know? <laughs> then he got to be, uh, he, when he was over at uh, Valiant, he got to be an editor. So I took my work over there to show it to him. And he says, well, I don't know. I, you got a lot of work. <laughs> I said, "Really, Bob? You're gonna do that to me now?" <laughs> uh, you know, she was on the other foot, buddy. <laughs> kind of thing, but you know. But I, I think that you know, in the end, me and him, you know, uh, got to be friends. You know, so he's <laughs> but he put me through the ringer. So <laughs> yeah. Um, they get to work for Valiant. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask next. And, yeah, because Valiant had, had a pretty big uh, run in, in the early '90s when everyone's coming out with great work. Valiant, as we spoke about last time, Milestone, Image. It was yeah. like a renaissance for, for a cool superhero. Oh almost, yeah, almost like the '60s again, really. Yeah, it, it 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 was. You know, people were thinking outside the box. Right. You weren't getting the standard stuff. The problem at Marvel was that you weren't exactly encouraged to come up with new ideas right. for new characters. You know, we all kind of, you know, did it because we were fans and we wanted to. But it wasn't like, you know, when I came up with Misty Knight, and I'm sure when Jim came up with... Uh, uh, with any a number of characters that he came up with, uh, um, you know, 
that ended up in the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, right. you know, right. and all these various characters he did. Um, you know, Marvel was like, we're going to pay you for the drawings you did. <laughs> Your ideas, you know, ideas not worth anything to Marvel, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so we just did them because we wanted to. And, uh, and then later it was just part of what, what you got paid for as a penciler or as a inker or anything came up, you know, or even a writer, you know, you didn't get paid extra for creating the characters. So, you know, a lot of people just stopped, you right, know, right. and, uh, it's sort of like everybody wanted to get at least one character in. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, you know, we just worked on, you know, whatever the standard Marvel characters were, because it wasn't like you were going to get extra money for that. Right. Of course, nobody knew that years and years from then that you would, you know, that these characters would show up on TV and in the movies and that, uh, you know, the movie industry and, and TV would, would you know, uh, there would be some, might be some additional compensation for you, you know, right. depending on how major the character was or whatever. But, uh, yeah, back then it was, it, you know, you weren't really encouraged to do that. You were encouraged to turn in the best pages you could turn on in. Time. Yeah, I mean, on time. Really encouraged to turn them in on time. Turn them in on time was more important than how well they looked. But, uh, it, you know, you were encouraged to do that. And, you know, in, you know, in hindsight, you know, some pages I turned in, I wish I could have took them back, you know, right. <laughs> like Rich would do, you know, but. I would try to get what I could get done at time and hit the deadline and do the best I could do with the time I had to get it done in. And it's sort of the attitude for a lot of people were like, what do you expect? You know, we're working as fast as we can. If there's something wrong, if, 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 uh, if a, a hero is wearing a Captain America boot on, in one panel and then the next panel is, he's got a, a you know, pointy topped uh, boot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's what the bullpen's for. Right, right. <laughs> well, man, how come, you know, Cap has a star on his chest here, and here he doesn't? <laughs> oh, he went, to, uh, he, he went from a star to, like, a Spider-Man, uh, simple. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, it's, I mean, sometimes you were just that hurried to get the stuff in. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, of course, the fans, like, you know, you know, like pointing out those little problems. Those little no things. prizes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was Jack Kirby the first person to like almost publicly speak out about creative rights? I wouldn't say he's the first person. Um, uh, I know Neil, Neil Adams made a pretty big stink about it with, uh, with, uh, you know, with creators of Superman right. and, uh, not so much on his on his on his own work, and I think Jack for a long time, you know, he just wanted to get his credit where credit was due. I think, right. you know, I don't think you know publicly he came out, but privately everybody knew that he wasn't mm-hmm. happy um, with the arrangement and that he wanted to get more credit for for the things he did, and that's why he switched companies because uh, he was uh, afforded a little more freedom and company he kind of helped build at Marvel didn't seem to appreciate him as much as, as he expected. Right. Yet the whole company's look and how they operated, you know, and was based on him and Stan's uh, 
uh, collaboration. Yeah, and what they did together. So and so, when, when you made your trek over uh, across the street to DC, is that around the same time that Kirby was um, coming to DC, or is that closer when he went back to Marvel? Um, I think he was already at Marvel when I went over to DC. Okay. Yeah, uh, he had just come back, and he was, you know, because the book that, uh, one of the books that was uh, being worked on that sometimes would help on was that Black Panther. Oh, yes, uh, yes. As an assistant. And uh, that run of Jungle Action ended, and the Black Panther got his own book, because that's that's what Kirby wanted to do. He kind of gave him card blanche. What do you want to work on? Captain America, Black Panther? Yep, both of those. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to go back to the Fantastic Four? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, been there, done right. that. Did all that over there, and also worked on the New Gods, which you know, which like a bigger picture. And then he did the Eternals mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So I think I moved back to to Marvel. I was sort of straddling the line, doing a little work for Marvel, a little work for DC. Um, you know, at one point, uh, before I, uh, I left, uh, comics for a while to, uh, you know, work in TV. Right. So, um, so, you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I guess when I was there, Jack had just, I, I was seeing Black Panther pages while I was working. Uh. I do remember seeing some of that stuff. So I was probably working at D at Marvel and, or, we're doing more work, maybe even at DC, and kind of working at Marvel a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. You have the good old freelance game, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's freelance, right? You know, so uh, it you know it kind of blends together to a degree. Right. I I remember I was uh, uh, Keith was working at, on Marvel projects, and I was working on DC, and we were working side by side. And then Keith would hand me some of his pages to do, and I'd hand him some of mine mm. to work on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm having trouble, you know, figuring out how to handle this. Oh, let me let me show, let me look at it. Oh, I got an idea here. Just don't talk to me about it. Just do it. <laughs> and the same thing would happen the other way. I'm ah man, I don't know what to do, and I'm stuck, man. Oh, well, let me see it. Oh, okay. Why don't you do this? This this. Don't talk to me about it. Just go on and do it. Do it. One of me and Keith's way of working would sometimes I would lay out a page and then he'd come back and lay out the next page and then I would take the page he laid out and I would pencil it and he would take the page I laid out and he would pencil it. Mm. And uh, that had to do with uh, John Ramita once saying to Keith and I, you know, Keith really knows how to draw. And he, he's, he's, you know, his figures are consistent. His backgrounds look good. You know, he's very polished looking, but his storytelling is boring. Mm. And he would say, you know, Arvel, uh, you know how to tell an exciting story. I mean, you know, each panel grips me, you know, and I love that, but you can't draw. <laughs> <laughs> how dare he? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I was you know, used to used to getting the, the hits, you right. know, we you know, that would be one of the things that we do. So so he kind of said, you know, he kind of was turning us away in the beginning, you know, after that uh, critique. And we were trying to get into business and yeah, it was turning us away. And then he then he stopped us both and said, you know, 
if I put two of you, if I put you two together, I'll have one heck of a uh, a, a, a artist for, for Marvel. <laughs> you know, and why don't you guys try to work together? So uh, we did a set of samples together, and and uh, Tom was impressed. You know, he he really liked the work. Keith got some work, and I got some work out of that. You know, wow. so and and. He didn't say I require you guys to keep working together, but that's what we did. You know, we became roommates in New York, and you know, the first couple of assignments I got on Iron Man, uh, you know, I uh, as I was taking the assignment on, I, I asked. I think it was Lynn Ween at the time was the editor, and I was telling Lynn I wanted to bring my buddy Keith up to help me. And Lynn said, I don't care. Just get the work done. <laughs> I want it last Friday. So I said, yeah, I called Keep Up and said, get your buns up here, man. Quit your job and move to New York. And Keith was like, what you talking about, Willie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quit my job? Said, well, at least take a leave of absence. <laughs> he said, give up my apartment? Oh, you'll find another one. Yeah. <laughs> and he came up, and we, uh, we would spend the days... Uh, looking for an apartment, and then we, you know, Klaus Jansen pointed out an apartment apartment building in Brooklyn. We went to go see it. Uh, Klaus said, "Don't." He he did tell us. He says, "Don't just accept what Roger shows you. Ask him to let you go inside the actual apartment uh, that you're gonna be renting." And then we got there and. Uh, mm-hmm. We said, uh, you know, I think the guy's name was Roger or whatever. We said, Roger, we just want to see what the space looks like. And Roger was like, eh, you don't want to go up there. You know, it's not ready. We're renovating it and everything. Here, let me show you the model. This is what it's going to look like. And we looked at that and said, oh, man, this is great and everything. He said, yeah, yeah, your space is just not ready. I don't want to. Plus, there's workers up there. You could get hurt. You know. <laughs> Liability. Said, Give me your deposit. Right. You know? And he said, when's it going to be ready in two weeks? Great. Because we only got three weeks worth of money. So, you know, but when we uh, got ready to move in, we said, okay, it's been two weeks. Roger said, Give me another week. So I can't give you another week. He says, but it's not ready. We, there's a lot that we still haven't done. Uh, we, you know, you can finish it while we're there because we need, we need to get in. So we moved in. There were no windows. Oh, wow. There were no electrical sockets. <laughs> <you know? laughs> When it rained, we were so uncomfortable, we would leave the building and go out in the pouring rain because we see electricity, you know, floating around the building, <laughs> you know, through the wires and everything. <laughs> oh, man, this is, you know, and it was raining in the building. It, it was crazy, you know. Take me uh, back to Detroit. <laughs> oh, man, you know. Well, we were willing to tough it out. It was better than living on the subway. You know, we had a, a one of the inkers. You know, he he said he couldn't get any work done where he where he was staying, so he did most of his work while he was in the subway train, riding the subway. Wow! Train. <laughs> <laughs> so you're inking on the subway train? He said, "Hey, man, you know, once you get into the motion and get the you, so you're in the same rhythm, you you are at one with the train. Yeah, you can work. <laughs> yeah, but how many uh, pints of ink?" Ink did he spill? <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I can't tell you. But, uh, uh, you know, you did what you had. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and yeah. and um, the, the style that you're talking about with O'Keefe, that sound, well, the first time I heard about that and, and it blew my mind was when I was reading a book about Eastman and Laird and how they did TMNT uh, when it first came out. They each did mm-hmm. everything on every page. So, like, 
It wasn't just Laird. It wasn't just Eastman. It was like a, a brand new being that was Eastman Laird. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's kind of how me and yeah. Keith were in the very beginning. Like. We were learning from one another. You know, Keith was learning my storytelling techniques and why I did certain things. And he would ask me and me, I, I, I would, you know, just look at what he was drawing and try to figure out, you know, why he did what he did and, and, the, and the things that he was doing to make his stuff look so polished. And so we ended up being individual artists after a couple of issues of working with one another. And uh, I still couldn't draw as well as Keith, and Keith couldn't tell a story as well as me, but we were good enough now that John Ramita thought we could work on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we continued to work with one another. You know, we look over each other's work, we, you know, I would get a page done, I'd show it to Keith, sometimes a panel done, and I'd show it to Keith, and Keith would tell me what I needed to do different, or sometimes he would grab his pencil and uh, put a, lay a sheet of tracing paper mm -hmm. over it and, and point some things out. Other times he would draw right on the page, and then the same thing would happen the other way. Keith would show me his layout. Sometimes I'd, you know, I would make suggestions on how I could fix it. Sometimes I'd re-thumbnail it mm -hmm. for him, you know, uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, I'd actually end up, you know, working on his background while he worked on his figures. On a couple of occasions, we worked on the same figure, not at the same time, right. but, you know, <laughs> as the pages were being passed back and forth, we're trying to hit deadlines, <laughs> you know, and turn in the best work we right. could. But that's actually very interesting because... Um, I haven't heard very many stories of things like that happening. I've heard of assistants. I've heard of layouts and finishes. But like I said, like that amalgam of two styles working in concert, that's very intriguing. Well, I don't know if we had really two styles. We were kind of both in the same style range. It's just that Keith could execute it a little better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could, I you know... Uh, for a while, I could pencil better than Keith in terms of actual technique mm -hmm. and feathering and all that kind of stuff. But and Keith was learning my technique, right. you know, and then applying it. And I was just learning, how, you know, uh, uh, his construction of figures and backgrounds and things, you know, and how how much detail to put in things to to make it look, you know, three dimensional. And you know, so it was a sort of a back and forth thing. And it wasn't just us. I mean, when we'd work with Rich, we did an issue of Thor. It was myself, Keith, and, and Aubrey Bradford mm -hmm. all working on this one issue of Thor. And then there was a couple of uh, uh, Deathlocks that we all did together, you know. And then uh, when Atlas happened, uh, Keith, I mean, Rich was doing uh, a couple of other books after the first issue of Man Monster and, and Demon Slayer. Uh, we were doing the second issues of some of those, and here was Ron Wilson, you know, Keith, I think even Ed Hannigan, and, <laughs> you know, George Perez was his assistant at that point, so, you know, and George was going behind him and, you know, putting things in, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it was with, uh, with Marvel or Atlas, mm -hmm. but, you know, when George was assistant, he was doing the same thing, and, uh, you know, we all learned from one another, you know. Uh, we debate about stuff and, uh, you know, everybody had their, you know, had their own interpretation. You, you read, you could read a plot or, 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 or a script and you could get two artists that could, you know, come up with totally different solutions, right. you know, a totally different look for, uh, for what was written. 
and and to a certain degree we we challenge one another with that as well so you know i I think one of the books i'm most proud of is the last book i did for marvel was with rich i mean with uh keith and we just gelled so well you know with the work that uh you know it's probably it was the issue of uh daredevil where matt murdoch never puts on his costume oh wow and you know the first five or ten pages was sort of me and Keith going back and forth with me doing most of the work uh, on it because Keith was working on another title at the time but him coming back and punching up pages and uh, and then like the last half of the book is all me but you know but it's me inspired by me and him right, you know right. <laughs> working together so uh, we turned it in and uh, Tom Palmer inked it and you know he's such a strong inker. Yes. Any little little differences were covered up. It all just looked like Tom's inking over over the work. It came out very uh, consistent throughout. And mostly what me and Keith worked on came out consistent. I remember an Iron Man issue that we both worked on, and uh, uh, that came out really consistent. And then the Silver Surfer graphic novel that. Uh, uh, I think Joe Rubenstein was inking. Uh, uh, you know, me and Keith uh, worked on that. And, you know, you know, I looked, I cracked that book open a, a couple of years ago and looked at it, and I couldn't remember what I did. With <laughs> <Keith like that. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. So, so kind of to that point. So when, besides when it's you and Keith. If multiple issues, is multiple artists are drawing the same issue of a book, um, do the editors kind of help maintain like the continuity? Like, say, if Peter Parker has a polo on and your page then say that uh, John Romita Jr. is drawing and he has on a button-up shirt, like who who maintains the continuity? Um, you know, I think some of those decisions are made as the artists are working. Okay. You know, on on the project, you know, uh, in the case of me and Keith, and sometimes me, Keith, and Rich, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, for the, and sometimes with Ron, Ron Wilson too, you know, we would all be in the same room, so we're just looking over each other. Okay, I'm getting ready to draw Peter Parker. How you got him dressed? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just look over and look at it. You know, uh, at other times, you know, uh, we're passing pages along, and the things that we're not sure of, we might leave it blank. We just rub it in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Or in one case, we used to try different things, you know. Okay, you're going to draw Shang-Chi, I'm going to draw Iron Fist. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, anything that Shang-Chi is you, anything that's uh, Danny Rand is me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Interesting. You know, I mean, just, I, I'm using that right. as an example. I don't think that happened per se, except maybe in a, I did see a, a, a fan sketch once where you know, it was Shang-Chi and Iron Fist fighting one another, and I drew the Iron Fist figure and Keith drew the uh, Shang-Chi figure, and then one of us decided to ink it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So now I have some really art nerd questions for you, and then I would love to hear like uh, some more stories from you. Uh, first, an art nerd question is, what type of lead do you use? And is it a mechanical pencil, a lead holder, or is this like a, a sharpened pencil? I'm going to tell you like I used to tell my students. It depends on a lot of stuff. Okay. The grain of the paper, the weather conditions, mm. what the heck is in front of me <laughs> in terms of 
in terms of devices, like, you know, I'd go in the office, say, at Marvel back in the day, and I might be working with a, a number two yellow pencil. Right. And I get in the office, and I got to finish something up or somebody asked me to change something. And I asked somebody, can I borrow a pencil? And whatever they hand me, I'd fix it with that. Wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so... You know, and it had to look consistent, so it would still look consistent. But I'll tell you, in the summertime, you know, it's humid a lot, and that affects paper. Yes. And uh, so you usually go with a softer lead pencil in the summer because uh, the absorb, you know, the amount of moisture in the paper uh, makes a uh, you know a harder pencil, uh, you know, doesn't you know looks a little lighter. And uh, doesn't take to the paper, uh-huh. and then uh, so you might go with a, a you know a softer lead pencil. So I you know I'd work with anything from a, 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 a F one uh, a, a or H B or H pencil uh, to a B two, mm. you know, um, and and then whether it's a lead holder or uh, a pencil uh, depends on how you know. Uh, how well that particular pencil is working on the page. You know, I I, I like using mechanical pencils, but I also like using uh, uh, just a regular number two. You know, it's sort of the variance in the line you can get. You know, if you're trying to imitate a brush stroke, mm-hmm. you might go with the number two and let it wear down some, or you know, and keep it kind of wore down while you, you use the number two for. Uh, doing little small details and then when you got to do a big drawing and you're doing uh you know a lot of big marks or whatever you get the the doll the doll number two (laughs) (laughs) yeah very cool yeah um yeah so next art question for you um so i remember in motor city you offered to ink my uh hardware drawing so have you ever inked your own work that was published, or is that something something you do on during like the the uh, convention seasons? Uh, usually, I just ink stuff. Uh, um, you know, commissions. I ink some of my own commissions, and uh, but as far as uh, comic book work, I've done a couple of a couple of projects where I either assisted and done some of the inking, mm-hmm. or I inked it, uh, penciled and inked it. But they've mainly been independent projects. And, uh, yeah, I worked on a thing, uh, it's called The Specialist. It was a little eight page story with a character called The Bombardier. <laughs> and, you know, I penciled, inked it, you know, uh, uh, you know, all on my own. You know, it was just 10 pages and, you know, kind of knocked it out. And I thought it came out really cool, you know, is, uh, um, but, you know, for, uh, you know, commissions, uh, I might ink my work a little more often mm-hmm. than, than handing it out because um, that way, if I'm inking the work, I can actually draw a little looser. And, yes. Uh, yes. you know, drawing a little looser and then tighten it up because usually when I'm penciling it and it's all tight and everything, it's actually a little more intimidating to work with because I'm looking for that look to come out. I'd rather give it to an inker at that point because rather than redo what I've already done, and also, right. I'm a slower inker than I am a pencil. Okay. Interesting. Um, and have you, being that you were a pioneer on, like, a, having a media company and things like that, have you ever integrated, like, a 
digital workflow like like a, a Cintiq or like an iPad to do any of your work, <laughs> oh, whether it be comics or yeah. the media projects? Well, with storyboards, uh, when I was doing storyboards for a movie, I, I, I use the Cintiq a lot. Uh, in comics, I've integrated it for a couple of these indie projects that I'm working on. This current little indie project I'm working on right now, the the editor wants that old feel, so he's having the letterers actually letter. Oh, cool. Contracted, he contracted Tom Morsikowski oh, to put wow. ink on paper, and I've got a pencil slit and ink it directly. But, you know, my druthers these days is to do a little bit of both. Right. You know, sometimes... The, the feel of uh, of a pen or a brush, the, the the mark that makes is so classic. That's what I want to see. Right. And, uh, and then other times the Cintiq, you know, especially it's it's great for doing mechanical type work, you know, uh, especially because you know, uh, in terms of expression of line and things like that, you know. You know, there's nothing nothing beats being homogenized like using a computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want this line to be consistent from the first mark to the last mark, and you set that as a, a, a five points, uh, you know, using Photoshop, mm-hmm. you know, with a straight round brush, and that's what you're going to get, that same feel throughout. So doing backgrounds and things like that is, like, great yeah. because... You can, especially. Well, I shouldn't say backgrounds, but you know, um, buildings and interiors and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, in perspective, you know. Uh, but mountains and water and things like that, you know, are a little more random. Right. And for that, you might want to pull out a brush and a pen and, and go at mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you ever heard of a guy named Freddie E. Williams the second? I believe. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I, I, I heard of him. I saw his book. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I tried to read it, but it was very confusing. <laughs> um, no, it's, you know, I mean, I think I did read the, uh, read his book. I had already done some uh, some digital comics. I, I started doing digital comics probably before a lot of people. Um, I had my public company, and we were working for, uh, well, just before I had my public company, I was working for Microsoft. Right. And we were doing an interactive comic book with transactional elements, as they put it. <laughs> that simply meant that they could, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it also it was interactive. So, uh, you know, the people that were reading the book contribute to the story and they could win uh, credits towards Microsoft products oh, wow. by doing that. And uh uh, those credits could translate into if you got enough credits, then you could get say, gee, I'm gonna get a copy of Microsoft Word for free. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you got limited credits, well, you got 10% off, you got 20%, off, you got 5% off, you got 30, you got 40. You know, the, the credits actually translated into real dollars. Uh, but uh, you know, during that time, during that project, we were combining photographs with artwork and 3D images as well as, you know, just drawing stuff and, you know, uh, uh, to have a comic book kind of look to it. And wow. uh, I was doing that as early as 1997. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. 
and the Cintiq was was not there, so we just used the you know whatever the tablet was at the time, mm-hmm. you know, which probably had you know instead of I think they have you know two hundred and fifty six or five hundred and eighty uh, different sensitivity points or twelve hundred. 50 sensitivity points back then it was like two <laughs> <laughs> lighter okay maybe not two but you know it was like eight <laughs> you can press hard or press harder <laughs> or or go light or lighter okay and then you can tilt it tilt the uh the stylus or or keep it straight you know and uh you know uh or perpendicular to the board you know or whatever uh, and you, you know that's pretty much all you had, so you worked with what you had. Right. So um, how, so how how would your transition from doing the traditional art to incorporating those digital means? How how was it? How did I yeah. do it? What yes. did you ask? Yeah. How did you do it? How did I mm-hmm. do it? Um, I was just always interested in working that way. And I got the opportunity when I was working at a television station doing 25 news graphics. And right. And uh, so I'd be retouching photographs, drawing stuff, creating symbols, you know, uh, or uh, touching up logos and, you know, uh, things like that for the news stories. And uh, they had what was back then maybe a $250,000 Quantel paint box. Which is really another word for saying Photoshop. <laughs> but, back then, <laughs> but back then, there was no Photoshop. So I started that early. There was no Photoshop. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I was working on a tablet, and I was working on um, images, of, you know, a TV resolution uh, screen, you know, and doing animation and uh, uh, set designs and uh, as well as doing uh, news graphics, those little over-the-shoulder graphics, as well right. as the uh, uh, the supers and you know the name supers and the tags and all that kind of stuff, uh, and the bumpers and joiners and you know all of the stuff that you know goes in the news graphics at the time. You know, I was doing all that on on uh, on this Quantel paint box, wow. and uh, you know, uh, I remember the salesman saying, "You now have." command of 1.2 million colors <laughs> that was a good sales guy 1.2 million colors you gotta be kidding right. <laughs> i was doing all kind of stuff i was take cutting people's heads off and putting on other people's bodies <laughs> retouching retouching these folks then i took i took the mayor of detroit and and put him in a a, a, a sweater and put a big uh uh Motor City, uh, uh, Spirit of Detroit uh, statue on his uh, on a ch- on a gold chain and hung it around <laughs> his neck, <laughs> and then put him uh, in front of two turntables and had his hands scratching. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, a uh, uh, hip hop in Detroit, <laughs> and that was the news, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't okay that photograph for me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I, I did some some pretty terrible stuff playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, got to make job. Uh, uh, I like, got to make work fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, so, so what is another story that you can tell us that won't be in your uh, book with uh, Keith? Hmm. Gee, what's that? Yo. Uh, hmm. That's a, that's a good baseball. Okay. No, that'd be in the book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, that'll be in the book. Uh, my seventeenth or eighteenth birthday party <laughs> with. Uh, um. Where I was surprised, I was one of the organizers at the. Now that probably be in the book oh. too. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, no, I gotta say. Oh yeah, oh I gotta say that for the book. Gee uh, whiz, oh man. Um, well, there's a Keith and Ron story. It'll be in the book. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, there's a Tony Isabella on Broadway. Now, it's got to be in the book, too. Oh, man. Uh, You're killing me, Herb. All the good stuff I'm holding on to. I'm sorry. There has to be one. Uh, gee whiz. Gee, I, you know, ah, man, I, I, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know what I could. Uh, I could talk about all the apartments I stayed in one summer. That would be in the book, too. But, uh, <laughs> I was I was walking down after uh, after uh, I got my first job at Marvel, uh, you know where I was doing my own book. It was the, the Marvel premiere featuring, featuring Iron mm-hmm. Fist. I had just turned in pages for Rich, and that's why I got the the script. And I came in and I said, "Hey, Rich, I got my own project." And Rich was packing up the leaves, and I said, "Man." Sit right down here and start breaking these pages out. He says, well, hey, let me help you pack. I said, pack? What are you saying? He says, yeah, yeah, you can pack. You, you're on your own now. You got your got your own book, man. Congratulations. <laughs> here, let's, you know, there's a suitcase right here. Put the, uh, Let's put these clothes in there. And I'm going, what are you doing, Rich? He said, I'm moving you out. I said, <laughs> I said where am I going to go? He said, you'll figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, know, it was, uh, uh, you know, it, it was a harrowing moment there. You know, I'm, I'm out on the street. I got a con- you know, I got a comic book job. I go stay in a flea bag hotel. Mm. Uh, it happens to be the hotel where Tony Isabella uh, is staying, but he's staying in the penthouse, <laughs> and I'm staying in the in the uh, the the part of the hotel that uh, now nah, that's not should be in the book. <laughs> no, okay. I'm staying in a part of the hotel where uh, where uh, Ladies of the night bring their their gentlemen oh, callers, wow. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm working all night to get the stuff in. John reporting is uh, is chomping at the bit. You know, I had to have pages in, and you know, the room was was rocking on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you had to pull the painting off the wall, and you know, it was like a print, really, and it was like a litho print. Of uh, of one of the, you know just a landscape, and I ripped that off the wall and took the uh, the painting out and used the glass as a light table on a drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all I had was uh, the marble paper that was given me a broken down pencil sharpener that still kind of sharpened pencils, electric pencil sharpener that Rich gave me, uh, some a uh, couple of extra pencils and some uh, some erasers. And, uh, you know, I didn't even have a straight edge. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was using the side of the paper as a straight <laughs> edge. It was my first issue of Iron Fist. Uh, uh, 
and I was just sitting on the side of the bed all day and all night long, you know, uh, working on that. Where and I took the uh, one of the lights that were on the nightstand and used that if I needed a light table to uh, <laughs> uh, to light up, you know, put it between my legs and put the the glass over on top so I could use it as a light table. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, so yeah, that was that was kind of harrowing. And then years later, I'm talking to Tony. And and I'm telling the same story, and Tony says, "You were downstairs with uh, I don't forgot the guy's name, Rocco, or <laughs> you know. he said, and the girls." <laughs> I said, "You know those people? See, yeah, he's the nicest guy. You know, he acts like a butthole, but once you get to know him, you know he's he's a pussy cat. Hard to go, hard to go. <laughs> yeah." And uh, he said, and "The girls," and he mentioned the girls by name, and I said, "Tony." You know, he says, well, I don't know him professionally. You know him as friends. You know? <laughs> See, we were neighbors, so. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, okay, that's a weird story. Yeah, I mean, but, but a good one. Um, So, next, let me ask you this. So, obviously, when we were speaking about the creation of Mr. Knight, you said that she was inspired by, like, martial arts films and, and black exploitation. Um, so... First part of the question. Well, you know, a little bit of both, mm-hmm. but really, she was a character that, yeah, that uh, came actually before black exploitation and martial arts films. You know, but, but, but her as her look, the, the character Glory. I mean, the actress Glory Hendry mm-hmm. was the was the actress I kind of modeled uh, Misty Knight from. Uh, you know, Tony. Uh, Tony's image of her was to be more like Pam Greer, and I kind of wanted her to be, you know, a chocolate sister, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, more so uh, than a, a tall fashion like, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, sister. You know, that's what I was looking for. But uh, uh, and uh, you know, that's kind of how I designed her to be, but. Uh, not necessarily low to the ground, but you know, I you know, didn't want it to be a paper thin twiggy kind of thing. Or, you know, Pam Greer wasn't certainly paper thin. Not at but, all. But you know, uh, I, at the same time, I didn't look at her as being, you know, uh, being able to muscle men down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, but but the character itself was created because it just didn't exist. You know, th- there wasn't a character. That existed like that created the character uh you know right after high school which you know uh had to be you know around 1970 71 you know somewhere in there and uh black exploitation films were just starting to get going um but the main thing about it was that i just wanted to see some people i knew from the neighborhood right, right. <laughs> uh and uh those girls were tough you know, <laughs> growing up in Detroit. You know, they, <laughs> yeah, I had some friends say, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Edna down the street. Yeah, she kicked my ass. <laughs> 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 you know, so I wanted to do one of those characters, and they had a, a you know, that's what I love about Simone Mystic because she keeps that kind of Detroit attitude, yes. you know. Yeah. She, uh, uh, 
you know, very much of a leader type woman, you know, uh, can go from very proper to, you know, from excuse me to, you know, take this butt whooping, you know, I'm going, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, right now, you know, or, you know, and, and yet we'll pull a gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Saginaw, so I know exactly what you mean. Uh, they're pretty similar yeah. to the Detroit woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You don't want to mess with no. them, you know. Mm-hmm. Let you want to look over your shoulder for the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but if you treat them right, they treat you right. So, you know, that's that's the kind of character I want to create. And a leader. A leader, right. And uh, a strong woman, you know, kind of figure. And uh, so, you know, my character was kind of uh, based on it. When we got with Tony, we weren't really on it long enough. We just, we didn't so much talk about the character's backdrop or anything, but we were trying to create a character that Iron Fist could could be a sounding board for. And and Tony's uh and Tony's thought when you know when we created Misty Knight was to use this character as somebody that uh Danny Rand could talk to. And uh and, and you know, in my agenda <laughs> it'd be somebody that Danny Rand could hang out with, you know, right. could be his woman as well as Whatever. At least it was a possibility because that wasn't being done either. Interracial dating wasn't wasn't happening. Yeah, of course. And uh, so, you know, you know, my first character, you know, being utilized, you know, in the comics, I just wanted her to kind of take those, you know, to to take those spaces that hadn't been looked at. And Misty was the first black female superhero at Marvel. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's Storm. <laughs> The storm came six months later. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like man thing and a swamp thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You know, so, uh, and Winter Soldier was nowhere in the mix. So, <laughs> there was no Winter Soldier. Right. Yeah. People come up to me, so how does it feel to create a character? You know, you, she's part Winter Soldier. No, Winter Soldier's part. Part Misty Knight. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> oh, gone it. Let them know. <laughs> Let them know. <laughs> Yeah, um, but anyway. So, what were some of your favorite uh, martial arts slash black exploitation films? Um, uh, of course, I like Enter the Dragon. Of course, uh, 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 martial arts films. Uh, back then, you know, my what blew my mind was those Bruce Lee movies and Five Fingers of Death yeah, and man. a few others yeah. like that, the Shaw Brothers mm-hmm. stuff, and uh, uh. You know, Misty was sort of, as I was convincing Tony to consider, you know, bringing this black female superhero, you know, we were looking at Black Belt Jones and uh, uh, Live and Let Die okay. <laughs> with Roger Moore mm-hmm. at, at the time, both of them featuring Gloria Hinton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we might also, you know, Tony says we went to go see, you know, uh, you know, some of the Pam Greer movies. I don't really remember that, but we might have gone and saw some of those as well. You know, whatever it took to get him to to warm to the idea. And, uh, but he warmed pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, it was like we just spent a day out hanging out and talking about stuff and going to the movies and getting stuff to eat and, and laughing and joking. And, and then finally he said, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was it was cool. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I, I liked a, a lot of those uh, films. You know, anything practically Sidney Poitier was yeah. in. 
you know, was was really cool. And of course, uh, uh, Shaft, and uh, and I even like some of Jim Brown's movies. Some of them I like. Then there, you know, the ones that revolved around uh, uh, the revolution and people uh, uh, standing up for their rights and things like that were were some of the ones that like the the ones that kind of bothered me or I didn't really care for were just guns and drugs and, you know, and, uh, you know, sex, you know, just, right. you know, wasn't enough of a story. It wasn't, you know, it was the same story over and over again. I, you know. So like Superfly, for example. Uh, yeah, Superfly didn't, you know. I sat through the whole thing and went, huh? Yeah, that's what I did on the on the on the, on the remake that came out two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I don't I don't get it. Why is this possible? Right. So uh, right, right. You know, I, I just uh, really the the thing that attracted me was that the only thing that black exploitation movies did that I thought were revolutionary was putting you know blacks in the hero right and sometimes villain roles mm-hmm. uh, and uh making it uh you know are you getting a, a a look of them in a role other than as a servant yep. or uh as a as a clown so um, you know from that standpoint you know there were quite a few of them that i did like but uh yeah, I'd say if I had to uh, put a ranking on, probably the Shaft movies uh, in the beginning were were some of my favorites, and uh, uh, and there were a couple of uh, of uh, there was one movie called The Spook Who Sat by the Door, which really intrigued me as it opened up. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I never movie, heard but, of that one before. Oh man, that's because it was pulled. Really? I want to give you the conspiracy uh, theory behind it, but you know who knows if I'm telling the falsehood or not. I don't really know. Who's listening? I just know that it was pulled from. You know, you couldn't hardly find it. You could find it on YouTube, but last time I looked, it was on YouTube. But uh, and I never watched it again. But the first time I watched it was in the theater, and it's about a black CIA agent. They said they needed a black CIA agent, and. and then he learns all the techniques of, of, of being a spy and a counter-spy. And then he quits the CIA and starts his own revolutionary group oh. <laughs> using using the, uh, the government's tactics. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's called Spooku Sat by the Door. By the door. So kind of he was a proto-killmonger from uh, the Black Panther movie then. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. Although the, the killmongers that... I guess had a little bit of that same motivation that the Don McGregor and Rich Buckler created, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more garish. Yes, a little bit. <laughs> no, this was a low key guy, you know, uh, very non-threatening, you know, who was who kind of went about saying, this gonna, the, "The revolution is not going to be televised, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to make sure it's not because." All the same dirty tricks that the U.S. government plays, that's what we're going to play on the U.S. government. Yeah. <laughs> Take their playbook and turn it turn on, on his, his ear. ear. <laughs> yeah. You have to check that out. And that, that, was, that was a cool, cool movie for his day. I haven't seen it in a long time, so mm-hmm. 
though. If you do check it out, let me know what you right, think. I definitely you know. Will. Like that might be yeah. on the agenda tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So as we close out here, uh, same as we did last time. So um, you said that you're working on a couple of independent product a uh, project right now. Yeah, I'm actually working. <laughs> I was telling them if I ever got interviewed, I was going to mention their name. This, uh, but it's uh, uh, I'm I'm doing this thing with these these guys. It's called uh, cost of printing. You know, cop. <laughs> <Comics>. <laughs> cost of printing comics. Cost like of that. printing comics. Yeah, I'm working on a. Uh, he's a white guy from the 1940s, but he's, he's called the Black Fury. Oh, <laughs> interesting. And, uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's uh, if you're interested a little bit in what these guys are doing, they they they're on Facebook on old guys who like old comics. Old guys who like <laughs> old comics. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and I'm doing uh, the Black Fury. Anyway, uh, at least I'm doing a little ten pager of the Black Fury, and that's, that's probably the latest thing I can talk about because I you know I promised I would start to get it out. Right. Uh, <laughs> But I, I, you know, uh, I got a couple of other projects. I got one with uh, Carl Bowler, who's now an editor over at uh, uh, at Value. Okay. Uh, uh, that we we've been planning to work for. I've, I've you know done some work on that. We were supposed to get together uh, last week while I was in New York, but I, you know it was too hectic. Right. So. Uh, I, I need to get back with him. And then I got a, another title, but I don't, I don't maybe I should because I don't own this one. Then I got a couple other projects that uh, they're on my drawing board that I plan on getting to this year. So I will be all in promo mode. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's always going to have a lot of projects. Right. And pause. So this is a point where um, we started to experience some audio issues again with the uh, recording. Um, again, I don't know if it was a Skype um, issues on who's in, but in any event, I had I wanted to just pause the uh, show for a second to let you know um, all of the information that the great Arvell was giving us during this period of time. Um, and during our audio issues, which I'm going to leave in with this disclaimer to let you guys know it's going to get a little spotty from here. Um, Arville talked about his convention um, appearances coming up this year. And so there's clarity to it. I will tell you what they are right now. Um, and if, you, if you're going to be at any of these, make sure you go talk to Arville. Tell him you appreciate his hard work and his time and his, his effort and get a commissioner from him. Um, I'll try to post my hard work commission uh with this episode so so you see the type of work that he does any character you want he has does great work but okay um arvell will be it i got a i've got a list here to make sure i get everything in chronological order the really cool comic con which is going to take place in howell michigan and that's going to be on august 11th so coming up about a month from as i record this then he's going to be at Wizard World Chicago um, August 23rd through the 26th. Um, after that, he's at the Capital City Comic Con in Lansing, Michigan from September 7th through 8th. Uh, that's right around the corner from my birthday if you're buying me anything out there in the listening crowd. 
uh, on the 15th of September, he's going to be at the Monroe Comic Con, which is two days from my birthday. Again, uh, you can send any gifts my way. Let me know. He is also going to be at the SpaCon September 23rd through the 23rd. And the SpaCon is in Arkansas, where my family, well, where half my, actually, I think both half of my families are from. Uh, in one way or another, so there's a lot of connections between Arvell's, Arvell, tenor, um, Arvell's uh, convention schedule and and, and my life. <laughs> uh, then he's going to be at Wizard World, Sacramento, California, uh, October 5th through the 7th. That has no connection to me whatsoever. And then he's going to round out his convention experience this year at the Great Lakes Comic Con November 9th through the 11th. I dated a girl last year uh, from uh, from Grand Rapids, so that also ties in. Um, he During this time of uh, technical difficulties, which again, I'm leaving in for posterity so you can hear what he has to say in his own words. And just bear with the um, audio issues as... as because they are pretty evident in some spots, but I want to make sure we didn't leave out any of the information that Arville talks about. To that point, on um, what he spoke about in our first conversation at length and somewhat on this conversation here, is that he is the co-founder and instructor at the uh, Comic Art Workshop um, series in Michigan. Uh, it's him, a couple of his friends like Keith Pollard, who, who we brought up earlier. And to check that out, go to comicartworkshop.wordpress.com. Again, comicartworkshop, all one word, .wordpress.com. That will tell you about the workshop where he and his, and his contemporaries give uh, a lot of pointers to people in any age bracket. There's classes or seminars for people who are like kids, I mean, so like, I think the youngest I saw was like four to nine, then like nine to 17 in the class of four adults. You can be a professional, you can be an amateur, you can just be someone who cares about art. Just go to um, that website again, comicartworkshop.wordpress.com and click on join. And that allows you to give basically a little a bit about yourself so they can know exactly what you're looking for. Or just a writer like me, uh, as most of you know, some of you know who've, who've listened to the show the last 60 something episodes. Uh, I'm a bit of a freelance writer myself, having had anything traditionally published, but maybe I might go to this workshop, see what it's all about. So they have classes for people like me who have experience but don't have any actual professional credits, or even if you do. Um, Michigan's own William Mesner Lobes uh, doesn't like some of the uh, writer training, but it's primarily for artists, of course. So if you are an artist, go ahead and talk to Arville about that and hit him up at the website. Talk to him at conventions. Look, Be on the lookout for some of his work that's coming out in the next few months. Um, with that, uh, we'll get back to the episode already in progress. Continue. Other than none, right? <laughs> hey, you know, um, you know, I got so many different projects. I, you know, I got some TV, a couple of movie projects I'm working on. But you know, trying to get a movie is is, is a tough. Heck, yes. You know, a, a tough path, but I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then if you could tell everyone about the, uh, workshops that you have. Oh yeah. Well, um, I think as I told you last time, myself, Keith Pollard, Bill Lopes, and, 
few uh, guests from now. Yeah. Uh, some people I've worked with in the past. This, this. Go to the website. Uh, all one word. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are talking, you know, in the summer for kids and throughout the rest of the year that focus on, uh, you know, more compelling comics. Uh, Bill's more of a writer, so in the writing chair, he's also a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. You know, work with people who are into doing more cartoony or humorous type work. And then uh, me and Keith are uh, doing, you know, instruction, line, story, you know, layout, and fishing. Uh, we got... Uh, you know, some some guests, inkers lined up. Oh, cool. The finishing work and a and couple of painters and Marshall Ilson. And, you know, we set them up in five to six week of classes where it's a lot, of, you know, it's like lecture, demonstration, and a ton of homework. <laughs> you do all your work at home. But you got to be ready for the next uh, class. It's done sequentially. And, you know, if you haven't done the work the first week, you're going you're gonna to start feeling behind and the pressure the second week. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's about staying on top of it. But, uh, you know, we've, we've uh, people like Jeremy Baskin, uh, 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 who's done the... Uh, What's, what's the name of his Is book? it a Cursed Pirate Girl? Pirate, yeah, Curses, yeah. Yeah. Classes, and uh, Dave Aaron, who, um, who also, from time to time, who worked on Vampirella and the Domino miniseries a long time ago, and the Next Men Annual, and did Nightman, and uh, a bunch of other projects. Joe Cooper, who, uh, you know, worked for both Image and Marvel, Lancy Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, on occasion from, you know, from around here. And then some local guys, like, uh, 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 that, that do some self-publishing, you know, we work with them to try and get their, uh, their product, uh, help them to sharpen, you know, help give them up to be able to, um, to make the stories and projects a little more successful. Right. Uh, we talk about everything from self uh, to working for the major. Mm. Very cool. Well, yeah, you know, and, you know, anybody who's interested, come to artworkshop.com. Uh, there's a join button. It's just a form. Just fill it out. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're interested. In. And then we 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 keep compiling uh, a waiting list. Okay. And we'll do that time. So it's really concentrated, and you know it's about two to, uh, to two and a half hours uh, per per meeting, and we we give you a lot of tools during that time and answer all your questions. Very nice. I'm giving back. Yeah, you know that because when getting going, we're in so, they gave us 
the tips and the secrets, including Muriel Rich, are learning from one another. You know, and uh, you know everything from what paper to use to things you asked me about, right. uh, uh, earlier. You know, uh, we just describe all of that. So, man, if you're gonna be a a pencil artist, you gotta know everything about paper. <laughs> exactly. And you gotta know about the paper you're working on and why you use certain stuff at certain times. You know, this stuff is never discussed. So, you know, we never. And with so much more. Mm-hmm. Well, but there's rules to everything. Right. Yeah, I mean that's that's all great stuff, and we'll definitely be sure to put that in the uh, episode uh, description as well. But I won't take up too more more of your time. Thank you for coming on again. I definitely want to have you back on to tell some more stories. We're closer to to that time and to talk about mm-hmm. the uh, New York experience as well. Yeah, well, you know, and I uh, I, I just want to be complete with right now. I sound like an idiot because. <laughs> Seeing you know character you created in high school come like <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I I was just all giddy right. you know I, I couldn't couldn't ask me what I really thought about anything because I was excited I made that uh, I made that be but see I actually had you know one character so mm-hmm. you know that at Marvel on, on this particular one. So I was like, man, look at this. Oh, no. <laughs> and some people I was a little a, a little nervous about seeing. Oh, no, there's another. Yeah, I worked on this. Uh, long gone and buried. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be a good Perfect. <laughs> get a few of the whole dynamics of being on Right. Uh, I went up to the uh, premiere for the first season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and just, I'm on <laughs> and then people feeling me. My goodness, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think you can be. All you can be is elated. Yes, that's all you can be. And wait for the check too. I, I think you can be that. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you so much again, Arvell. Oh, you kind of broke up. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I, I just said thank you so much for your time again. Appreciate it.